Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Dial H for Heroclix. I'm your host Hunter Smith and it's just me today. We had something come up. We have a big local tournament here today starting in actually under an hour <laughs> and I'm going to be judging it as well so I really need to be getting uh, this podcast recorded. <clears throat> but uh, we had to you know, flip the schedule around for the podcast today to accommodate um, so it'll just be me today. Today's one of our short format episodes anyways. There is some news to talk about, so really I'm just going to be... Uh, main topic today, I kind of wanted to quickly go over wave my thoughts on War of the Light Wave 2 and the sealed format for that. And that's uh, a great... Uh, it's great that that was my main topic today because we happened to get all of the dials spoiled for War of the Light 2 this week. So now I have everything in front of me, and we can talk about that in the news section and just kind of do the news and the main topic all in one section. So if you would like to follow along with me, uh, you can go to heroclicks.com for some of these spoilers, and then the rest are on hcrealms.com if you're a member. Go to the forums and upcoming sets and rumors, and then go to the War of the Light. Either that, or you can... Go to the podcast description for this episode, and I will link, I will uh, put the URL in there for these dials so that you can look at them with me. We're going to start off with some Guardians of the Galaxy spoilers. Uh, not for the movie set, of course, because that is now out, but for the main set. There are quite a few spoiled. I just want to go over some of the key ones. Um, as most of you guys out there know, I'm a big Guardians of the Galaxy fan. I'm, I'm a big Marvel Cosmic fan. I'm a big fan of the universe and all the different races and books. And especially, I've been a longtime Fantastic Four fan. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm big into Marvel Cosmic. So I'm really excited for this set. And so far, I haven't been let down aside from the chases. Um, we do have two spoilers for the zombie chases Magneto and, and uh, the Scroll. I assume it's supposed to be Super Scroll. Uh, the Magneto, he has a 130-point dial. He's silver-ringed. He is a switch clicks, of course, as they all are, since there will be a team base for him. He starts off with two special powers. Uh, he has sidestep, and then he has a special attack power. You give him a power action. He can use TK twice as free actions, and when he uses it to place an opposing character, you deal it one penetrating damage. That's pretty cool. I, I like when they give Magneto special powers like this because a piece like this can manipulate the battlefield while also dealing damage so he can basically bring the bring the victim to the rest of your zombies so that it's easier for them to tear it up and then that's going to trigger the zombie infection and the zombie hunger traits you know as, as we've seen with the rest of them so he could be pretty useful if you're running a zombie team his defense power Gives him energy shield and toughness, and when he target when a character targets Magneto with a ranged attack, modify its damage value by minus one. So he's pretty good. Um, pretty solid dial for his point value. Then we have the scroll, and it of course has the two traits for the zombie hunger and zombie infection, but it also has another trait called pointed towards the food. Each time an opposing character takes damage during your turn. After actions resolve, you can move scroll one square, and he deals one penetrating damage this turn. That is confusing. Because uh, it doesn't specify who the the penetrating damage targets. Um, it just says you may move him, move scroll one square, and he deals penetrating damage. Oh, sorry. It's a, it's a misprint on the spoiler I have. And he deals penetrating damage this turn, not one penetrating. Okay, so for the rest of the turn, he'll get to deal penetrating damage. That's good because he has no special attack powers on top dial. He has plasticity, super senses, and shape change. Only 65 points, so this actually is not super scroll. It's just a generic zombie scroll. Um, not a bad dial. You know, if you're running these zombies, you need somebody like this to fit in for the cheap, you know, a cheap point option because a lot of these guys are really expensive. But the main chase I wanted to talk about is Beyonder. Beyonder is a, is a cool character in the Marvel Universe. You don't see him too often. I'm actually very surprised that he's even in here. And he has a quite a unique dial. His point value ranges from 100 to question mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, he has power cosmic and he's silver ringed. T 
10 range triple bolt. So let's see what his traits do and why he could be worth, why he costs so many points. When you build your force, he costs 100 points for every four corporeal form tokens that you want to place on his card. At the beginning of the game, you roll a d6, click him to that click number. Whenever he takes damage, you remove a, a token from this card for each click of damage taken. So he's not like Bizarro, where you only remove one. You have to remove for each damage he takes. So he's similar uh, kind of to Obnoxio. When there are no tokens on his card, KO him. Whenever he's healed, you place a token on his card for each damage healed. Um, this ability can't be ignored. Uh, his second trait, he cannot be assigned a relic or resource. Give him a free action, choose a standard power any other character can use, and he can use that power until your next turn. And if you play him at 5... So basically you can play him from 100 points to any increment of 100 points you want up to infinity. And for every 100 points, you're going to get 4 clicks of life, essentially. If you play him at 500, he gets Colossal Stamina as well. At 100 or 200, he has negative 1 on all values, and this cannot be ignored. So looking at his dial, it's a... It's a kaleidoscope of just random powers um they do he does have great stats and he does have good powers and most of them tend to match up pretty well so i mean he, for example he he there is not a single spot on his dial that it does not have a power showing so he it's jam-packed full of good powers plus you got to think about the trade on top of that where you get to choose more standard powers so he's a good figure um i think that's why they made him where he can't be assigned relics or resources. And I like the way he plays out. He's going to be very interesting, potentially meta. When you have a piece with this much potential, you know, the, he has the bad thing going against him where you don't know what his starting click's going to be, but he could potentially be a really strong local meta piece. We have a Ronin who's an uncommon who is... We've seen a lot of good Romans, Ronins lately. The special thing that you really need to know about this one, he has a solid dial play-wise, but he has a trait that when you build your force, friendly characters with Kree also have Inhumans, so he can be played on an Inhumans uh, team and make it theme. Uh, we also have Generic Dire Race, which is interesting. I didn't think they would put these guys in. And they are the common non-prime, so I assume they'll be a, a prime version of these guys. They have a trait where they can use Shape Change, and uh, if you roll a 1, you can re-roll it. And they kind of are like zombie type guys. Like when they KO a character, place that character on this card on any click. And you get to use the standard powers that that character possesses on that click. That can be really good. Especially with the swarm of these guys. And then they are minions for Dire Wraith Queen. And whenever she's within 8 squares, they can use Sidestep. Other than that, they have a solid dial for their points, which is only 55. We got a new crystal, which is awesome because we just lost our crystal from Chaos War for Modern Age. She plays pretty differently. Uh, she has a trait called Inhumanity. She can use Perplex not to modify damage values and can only target a character with the Inhumans keyword and within three squares. So kind of a nerfed Perplex. She has Running Shot Pulse Wave Enhancement, Running Shot Psychic Blast Enhancement, Force Blast, Pulse Wave, Plasticity Poison. So she's only she's cheaper though. She's only seventy five points. So she's not as good as uh, the old Chaos War Inhumans or uh, Crystal for her points, but she is pretty strong. Then we have Super Giant, who's one of the Black Order. As we have said, the Cole Obsidian um, and the Black Order guys are all going to be in this set. And this trait that. Uh, she has may we may see this on all of the Black Order or at least the Cole Obsidian guys. So I'll go ahead and read it. The trait's called Cole Obsidian. When Supergiant is KO'd by an opposing character's attack, deal damage to that character equal to the last amount of damage dealt to Supergiant. This damage can't be reduced below one. That's really good because uh, it's not the damage taken by her; it's damage dealt. So that could be potentially a whole lot of damage depending on how hard the person hit her. She also has a good mind control power and a good psychic blast power. Um, then we got we are getting a dark hawk. We talked about it last week that they we saw pictures of one. 
Um, he, of course, has the new Warriors keyword. I think that's the main thing that a lot of people wanted from, from this guy if he was ever going to get printed. And he also has Avengers keyword. And he's a wild card on top of that. So he's pretty pretty versatile. Um, he has a grappling hook attack with his five range where if he hits you with the range attack, he can place you next to him after action resolve. And then he has a special shape change power. They are also alpha primitives in this set, which um, for those of you who aren't familiar, they are inhumans. And they are minions to uh, other inhumans that are higher point values, not anybody in specific. So that should play out pretty well. And then one of my favorites, Annihilus, is going to be here. He is 200 points. Um, He's interesting because we have not seen the Cosmic Control Rod Relic yet. But he has a trait where when you set up characters at the beginning of the game, if your force includes the Cosmic Control Rod, it can be assigned to Annihilus basically automatically. So that's going to be pretty good. He has a great top dial running shot, pulse wave perplex with a 7 range, and he's a flyer as well. So depending, he has a solid dial, has running shot for 3 clicks, um, outwit, he gets a special outwit for a lot of his dial where he can use it, and other characters can't use power cosmic. And then other than that, he has uh, pulse wave and force blast. So he's not a bad dial for his points. He's not, you know, amazing or anything, but he should be fun and his sculpt looks great. And then we have Thanos, who is a rare. Um, a lot of you guys may have already seen this dial. It, he has Power Cosmic, and he's very interesting. This, to me, signifies that this is the um, the modern-day Thanos because he does not have Infinity Watch keyword, but he does have Black Order keyword. And he also has a trait, a couple traits that both signify to me that this is like modern-day Thanos. The first one is called choose the gauntlet or the tribute at the beginning of your first turn each opposing character or each opponent chooses one deal one damage to each character on his or her force 100 points or less or choose a character on his or her force 100 points or more and deal that character three damage and opponents can't choose an option for which they have no character so that's a great trait then then the second trait uh, a bloody path to find my son. At the beginning of your first turn, choose an opposing character. Thanos' attacks deal one additional damage to that character, and when it's KO'd, you can choose another character. And then this third trade is kind of the nail in the coffin for this is definitely modern-day Thanos. Beyond your mortal concerns, he cannot be assigned a relic or resource. So to me, this is not the old gauntlet-wielding Thanos. This is modern-day um, he's got a beater of a dial. He's 300 points or 200. Both point options are great, especially the 300. And uh, he's definitely worth taking a look at. He has leadership. When he succeeds, he can remove the axe token from a, a Black Order character anywhere on the map. And he also is the rare 047A, so there will be a prime for him. I'm thinking maybe it'll be like an old school Thanos that can automatically be assigned the gauntlet or something like that. Or maybe it could be Thane, his son, could be the prime. So only time will tell. You guys can let us know what you think that you know will be the case. And then lastly, War of the Light. The month three OP kit, the participation is Jon Stewart, and he's pretty dang good. He ignores hindering and characters on line of fire. He has a solid dial overall, has a um, two-point options, 165 or 95. A special damage power of RCE and can use it as a range combat action instead of power action so he can running shot with it. And then he has precision strike on, on top click as well. So I really like him. I think he's a pretty solid figure. And then he comes with the, the catapult construct which lets you use telekinesis. That's the month five, month three OP kit. That's a really good uh, contract, construct to add to your arsenal for the power batteries. So that just adds more to the playability and the effectiveness of the constructs. Um, I don't think we have a dial yet for the LE. And then we have confirmation. I can link this in the uh, podcast description as well. Someone who got the black and white lantern packs from SDCC spoiled the constructs that they all come with. And this gives us an answer to the question I was asking of is every color going to have just exact copies of the same constructs? This answers our question somewhat. Because the white one 
comes with some of the ones we've already seen. For example, the catapult that I just talked about that gives TK, the decoy, the crossbow, and um, the black battery also has catapult, decoy, crossbow, and it has the net. But the white one has some that we have not seen yet. Uh, it has a sniper rifle for six points. Assigned character's range value becomes 10. Boxing gloves are 8 points. They give CCE. A nurse is 10 points. She grants regen. And scissors are 8 points, and they grant exploit weakness. The black battery um, also has the boxing glove, the nurse, and the scissors. So we have a little one difference you know, in there between the two different sets. The white has the sniper rifle. The black does not, but the black has the net. So maybe at least there will be one or two construct differences in between the different colors of lanterns. We can only hope that that's how it's going to be. And I, of course, the we assume that the green is going to have a couple more extra options for the uh, for their decoys. Let's see. These packs have four, five, six, seven different ones. We know that the Green Lantern ones are going to have the most then because you're going to get six from your participations and then you're going to get four, I believe, from the figures. So I could be wrong, but that would be ten total, I believe, of green. So we'll have a few extra choices for greens that we won't have for the rest of them. But pretty cool. They sound really good. I assume that the scissors and the nurse and boxing glove will likely be the you know, uh, four, five, and six for the OP kits, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. And then as far as dials, I'm not going to go through every dial, but for our main topic, I just want to touch on a couple of the really good ones for their points and my general generalization of the format for Sealed of only Wave 2 compared to Wave 1. First, let's go over some of the really good figures um, for their points that that are not only really good but are easy for you to pull. They're commons, uncommons, um, and some instances rares and stuff. So let's the Indigo Recruit is pretty dang good. It's number four, forty points, has a trait. When it's a friendly character with the Indigo Tribe, seventy-five points or more is within eight squares. You get plus one defense. So all of the you know all of the recruits have these similar traits. But what's really good about the Indigo Recruit aside from being a flyer with sidestep so it can carry really easily is that it has this special attack power called compassion that a lot of the other indigos also have when a non-adjacent friendly character within six squares takes three or more damage after actions resolve if that character hasn't been healed this turn you can place recruit adjacent to that character and heal that character of one damage that's very good um, because, for one, it's free healing. But for two, it's a healing that doesn't require a dice roll. It doesn't require this person to land an attack. It's just place them and then automatically heal them. And to me, that, that sounds pretty good, especially the fact that this guy also has reflexes and close combat expert and sidestep together. Um, if you play it right and you think your thing's out, you could use this with... Um, one of your friendly guys who's a close combat attacker, really. And you could have your Indigo, Indigo tribe guy back a little bit, take somebody like, say, a Zelias Sox or somebody, send them in, let them do their charge flurry blades thing. When they get hit, then you get to um, teleport the Indigo guy in there, heal Zox back up, and then now Indigo is in your face, ready to sidestep and close combat expert and be a solid tie-up with a 16-plus reflexes. So I think that's for 40 points, that's a good dial worth having, especially if you need a somebody to be carried around. Sidestep and flight for 40 points is really good. I also like the Sapphire Recruit, number six, because it, it of course, has the trait where if another Star Sapphire is within eight, you get plus one attack. But I like it for a couple reasons. It has Running Shot and Precision Strike, it only is a 9 attack, but remember, if you can trigger that minion, that's going to be a 10 attack, 2 damage. So that's not bad for a 45-point figure. And then you have Super Senses and the Love Power, which gives you Shape Change and Mystics on your top dial. So as long as you keep this person top dial, 
it's going to be really good for 45 points. Shape Change, Super Senses, and Mystics is really going to dissuade people from even targeting this little 45-point figure. Meanwhile, it can be running shot and precision striking and getting some dependable damage through on some other people. Um, what really makes me happy in, is that the Hal Jordans are actually worth a damn in Wave 2 compared to how mediocre they are for the most part in Wave 1. <laughs> uh, the Wave 2 Hal Jordan is the Red Lantern one is pretty good. It's 80 points, and it has charge, super strength with an 11 attack, and a 3 damage willpower, and friendly, him and adjacent friendlies with Red Lantern core keyword can use willpower. So, and he has close combat reflexes. So this is your close combat monster. And honestly, overall, there are not a lot of good close combat figures in the War of the Light set. We have a lot of running shot and ranged effects. So it's nice to have a cheap 80-point guy who can dependably deal solid damage from melee because, you know, you pick up a heavy object, now you have an 11 attack and a 5 damage coming at you, and then a dependable tie-up with a 16 reflexes. And not only that, if they do hit you after you fly in and charge super strength, then they're likely to knock you onto your four clicks of a special poison power that deals penetrating damage. And he has solid, he never goes below a 9 attack. He has a 10 or 11 for his whole dial except for his very last click. And he usually has a 3 damage. So for an 80 point piece, that's pretty solid values. Um, add on to the fact that if you are playing other Red Lanterns, he's going to help them out. And the fact that he's booted, which in this set isn't necessarily a bad thing, because then you save on your actions, because almost everybody in the set flies. So I really like this figure for it's only 80 points, and it has 7 clicks of life as well. I also like the Black Lantern how um, it's pretty similar. It also has a damage power where Hal and adjacent friendly characters with the Black Lantern core keyword can use willpower. But he has Running Shot Psychic Blast with a 10 attack and only two damage, but it's penetrating, so it's it kind of makes up for that. Um, then it has a few clicks of charge and steel energy, and when an opposing figure is KO'd, heal Hal of one damage. So, and the, he has exploit and charge on as well for a lot of his dial, and he too has seven clicks of life for 99 points. So the red one's a little better, but the black one's pretty solid too. A running shot, psychic blast with willpower, going to be pretty effective. Um, I, one guy who's going to be interesting to watch out for, if I can find him here, is Sodom Yacht. Yeah, here he is. He, I believe, is an uncommon. And you can play him at 125 or 250. And personally, I think it's well worth it to go for the 250. If you pay 250 then when he gets to the end of his in initial six clicks he gets three extra clicks of life and you may think three clicks of life is not worth an extra 125 points i would usually agree with you but he has a special defense power that makes it worth it on those three clicks of life he has a special defense power called wielder of ion when the click is revealed due to damage taken stop turning the dial he can use Impervious and Quintessence. He can't be healed, and this power can't be ignored. He also has amazing values with a 10 hypersonic, 12 attack, 19 defense, and 5 damage. And then he goes, all those values go down by 1 with each click of damage that he takes. But remember, they have, you, you're, they're going to have to keep stopping every turn, and they're going to have to get through Impervious and they're going to have to deal with your quintessence that they can't outwit the impervious. So if you can keep this guy around and keep him from hitting that stop click until late in the game, there's a good chance your opponent can't deal with him. There's a good chance that by the time they chew through his dial, that by the time he gets to a hypersonic 12 attack, 5 damage, impervious 19 defense, that they don't have an answer for that. They don't have somebody on top click with solid values in Psychic Blast or Exploit. So he can be really effective, and I would really keep an eye out for him. At only an uncommon, similar to Weapon of Quard, he could do really, really well. So I would, I would play him. I would at least try him out at 250 if you get a chance. 
Um, let's see. I also liked both the Guy Gardeners, and we've already spoiled them on the cast before, so I won't go too far into depth with them, but the Star Sapphire one is 103, Running Shot, Psychic Blast, Solid Values, and a special damage power of Shape Change and Mystics, but I like his because when he uses Mystics, characters possessing a special power, which these days and in this set is almost everyone, uh, characters possessing a special power are dealt two unavoidable instead. So he's a really good range piece. You keep him on his top dial. You keep him near your starting area. Make them come to you because you have running shot, psychic blast, and energy shield as well to keep your defense up. Red Lantern is similar to the Hal Jordan uh, Red Lantern. He's 88 points. He is grounded instead of flying. He has Endom instead, but he has uh, 12 attack, 3 damage, and charge, flurry, and sidestep with precision strike. So he has those, his first two clicks. Then the mid two clicks, he has the charge flurry sidestep, plus he has poison with penetrating damage. And then his last two clicks, he has blaze and exploit. So sidestep and poison is going to be really good. Charge flurry sidestep poison is, is even better. So if you think about the fact that he has a five movement, if he charges already, you could, if you really wanted to get aggressive and if you're playing red lanterns, you might as well. He effectively has a 7-square charge if you really need him to with good value. So for 88 points, he's exceptionally good. I like Dexstar as well, but you may have a little more trouble pulling him because I believe he's in the rare section. Yes, he is. But he has a good dial of traded shape change super senses, tiny size, 16 defense plus reflexes, and charge and blades. And then um, he has a special movement power for a couple clicks that gives him sidestep and penetrating poison. He's only 65 points though, so I think you can use him effectively in this set for only 65 points. Black Lantern John Stewart is also really good at the rare slot. He has 9 range, stealth and psychic blast with sharpshooter and he ignores hindering on targeting. He has a special damage power that lets him use precision strike and range combat expert. And if the at- target of his attack is not adjacent to any other opposing character, so if they're by themselves, damage dealt can't be reduced below 2. So he would help chew through some of the bigger pieces in, in War of the Light. I like him for 130 points. He's pretty solid. And again, he's a Black Lantern, so he's going to get to keep healing up. He also later, through his mid-dial, gets to use Steel Energy on ranged attacks. And when you have Precision Strike Range Combat Expert with an 11 and 3 and 11 and 2 already going to be pretty easy to deal that definite one damage that lets you heal back up so i think he'll have great longevity in this set um firestorm is also great i he's a super rare so i didn't really want to mention him i'm pretty sure no actually he's the last rare it looks like uh he if he ko's an opposing character 75 points or more he can use out wit he is running shot energy explosion at the start with the special damage of steel energy with close and ranged combat attacks. And when an opposing character is KO'd, you heal him of one damage. If he has healed either way this turn, he can use perplex and prob until your next turn. Very, very good. He also gets running shot and stealth for a big chunk of his dial, and he has a whopping eight clicks of life. However, he costs 140 points. So I like him as well. That ranged healing is going to be really nasty to deal with. There are some decent super rares. I like the Hell and Sinestro at the full 300 points. I think they can do well. But again, they rely on Impervious. So if they if you go up against somebody with Psychic Blast, if you go up against that um, that Indi- that Black Lantern John Stewart or the Indigo uh, Guy Gardner, you could be in for some trouble because of the reliable Psychic Blast. But I just wanted to comment overall on Wave 2. I think it seems a lot more balanced to me. Not that wep- not that everyone was winning with Weaponer in Wave 1. Because, I mean, it, it definitely seems like that at face value. But I know personally, I played in an event at another venue just because I needed a couple extra packs. And I pulled kind of just a general smorgasbord of pieces. I had a, uh, a Brother Him a Boudica, a Bedovian, and a Karusil. You know, three, four mid-level pieces 
and was able to win the tournament and went through two weaponers and a Superboy Prime on my way to going 3-0. and So I know it's possible to win with a solid, balanced team, and I feel like in this Wave 2, it's a little bit easier to do that because you don't have to worry about as big of a giant Alpha Strike that Weaponer could provide. In a sealed format, the ability of Weaponer to provide that big of an of a initial strike is pretty effective. So this seems a little more balanced out. What also makes it more balanced out to me is the kind of circle of life of these four different cores that are in Wave 2. You have the constant Mystics damage from the Star Sapphires, although it's not as effective because they don't have the Mystics team ability. They just at times on their dial have Mystics, so you're not going to consistently be having to take Mystics from them. A lot of time if you pop them hard enough, you can knock them off of that and not have to deal with it on that character for the rest of the game. But you have that damage from the Mystics, but you also have the free healing from the Indigos to kind of offset that. But then you have the poison from the Red Lanterns to kind of offset the free healing. But then again, you have the interaction between the Red Lantern poison and the Mystics from Star Sapphires because that poison will not trigger Mystics. Then again, you have the Steel Energy on the Black Lanterns, so they can take the poison. They can stand to take the Mystics because they're going to heal it back up. So you have two good healing factions and two good damage dealing factions, and I think it makes for a really good, much more interesting, much more balanced set. I'm, I'm kind of excited for Wave 2. I think it should be a lot more interesting uh, matches. I think you'll see a little bit more variety on the teams. So I hope that gives you guys an idea of who to look for. There are, of course, other figures you know that I didn't list um, in the set that are still really good, like Katma 2 from Green Lantern Corps was also really good, I thought, uh, or at least really solid at the beginning of her dial, but in Lyra, and there are more. I just wanted to kind of kind of talk about the, the quick low point. Most of those are 100 points or less. Um, really good balanced figures in this set that you should look out for when you open your boosters. Um, quickly, I'll go over community. We I forgot. I promised Renacon that he would be the feature dial last week, and I screwed up, and we spoiled someone else's. So I, I wanted to quickly go over Renacon's dial because I owed him one. Uh, Renacon did Man Bear Pig for us from South Park, and it was pretty damn entertaining. He actually ended up doing two South Park dials. The other one was the uh, the critters from the Imagination Land, which also was equally entertaining. But the Man Bear Pig's pretty cool because it has a Al Gore bystander token, and some he has an Imagination Land trait. Um, they both do, where when you play Man Bear Pig, you get the Al Gore, and then. Uh, when you have Al Gore, you can place a token on Man Bear Pig's card, and anytime Al Gore takes an action to use a power, after you place a token, roll a d6, add the number of tokens to the roll. If you roll a 7 or more, you can place Man Bear Pig in any starting area, and you can flip Al Gore over. Um, and when you flip him over, he he's like, I told you it was real. When he's flipped, he immediately joins your opponent's force until the end of the game. He can't be targeted and ignores damage from people not named Man Bear Pig. So Man Bear Pig has to go and kill Al Gore. And it's pretty interesting of a dial as well on Man Bear Pig. Um, kind of what you'd expect. All the clicks have Battle Fury. And he has a special attack power. Man Bear Pig leaves no one alive. You can give him a power action and make a close combat attack against opposing character that's lower points. And if it hits after action resolve, he can make a ranged attack as a free action to throw the hit character by the attack as if it were an ultralight object. So that's an interesting concept that we haven't seen in, in, on an actual dial yet. Of course, the wording may need cleaned up a little bit, but that's an interesting concept that we could potentially see and I would like to see in clicks because we have some powers now. Um, actually, I just talked about one today where um, a piece could... I forget who we were talking about in the spoilers earlier, but we were talking about a piece that could hit you and then bring you in. Of course, we know that the Iron Fist Rare from Fear Itself can do that, but that's an interesting concept. We already have people who can hit you from range and then bring you next to them. Let's let's get a piece that can hit you and then throw you away with the you know as a ranged action. That's pretty. I, I really really liked that, and that was led to Renacon getting a great score on this. Um. 
So, yeah, great job, Bernicon. I apologize for forgetting to uh, spoil your dial. Quickly, shirts. I know some people have been asking about shirts. I have placed the official order uh, just this week. I had initially thought the shirts were only going to be $12, but the thing is, that was when I was getting my estimate. And once I typed in how many 3X shirts I needed, because I greatly, I guess, underestimated how many people needed 3X size, um, it bumped up my price for each shirt way up. So basically what I'm doing is the shirts are $12 for 2X and smaller, and then they're $14 for a 3X. The shirts can be seen on our Facebook group at Dollar Your Hero Clicks on our page. Uh, make sure you like it. You can also you can see the shirts there. You can also see the stamp I got in and made for Drew's Value Corner, where we'll it says uh, has our little logo and then it says Drew's Silver Age Value Corner, and we can stamp your cards if you bring them to us at Gen Con, and you can get your Silver Age Value stamp thrown on there. So what we're going to do. For now, we're only going to sell the t-shirts at Gen Con. So if you're going to Gen Con, if you're going to the Spaghetti Dinner Thursday night for HC Realms, or if you will be there Saturday, which is the day that pretty much everyone is there, you can find us around the venue. We'll, I will mostly be in the HeroClick section playing a couple tournaments um, that afternoon, and I'll post on our Facebook page when, when we are and where we are so you guys can find us. If you'd like to buy a t-shirt, just have make sure you have cash. You know the exact amount. I'll, I don't know how much change I'll have on me, but um, the T-shirts are again twelve dollars for a large, extra large, or two X, or they are fourteen dollars for a three X. If you would like to go ahead, if you know you're going to go and you know you want one, if you want to go ahead and reserve for one, you can pay me on PayPal ahead of time, and then I can make sure I hold a shirt in your size for you, and we can meet up on Saturday or again at the spaghetti dinner. And you can make sure that we have one left in your size because I'm only going to have 24 to start out with. So if you're going to Gen Con, make sure you get a chance, get your shirt because this might be the last time that we do any kind of t-shirts just depending on how much interest we get. And then again, if you want to bring your value, your uh, Silver Age cards that we featured in our section before, uh, Drew's Silver Age Value Corner, if you want to bring them to Gen Con and have him stamp them, you can bring them as well. Meet us at the spaghetti dinner or on Saturday. All day we'll be there, and I'll be all afternoon from like 3 to 9. I'll be in the Hero Click section as well. Uh, I'll get a list together of all of the characters because honestly, I, I can't remember them off the top of the head. We've had so many at this point. I know Rocket Racer, of course, and we did Hollywood last week. And I'll try to get a, a full list of all the characters uh, that you can bring the cards to. I pr we'd prefer to do it at Gen Con. In the future, we may we'll set up a system where basically you guys could mail your mail those cards into me, and include your return address and and give me a stamp in an envelope you know sealed already ready to ship back to you, and then we can stamp them and then send them back to you. Do something like that. And then the only last thing I wanted to mention is that I have completed and shipped out the poker chips for the winners of our contests over the last couple weeks. So if I, I know you guys have been a little patient. We had a slowdown with the laptop being damaged and everything and me losing all my data. We actually had to make all these back from scratch, so it took a long time. But they are finished. They are shipped out, so you should be getting yours in the mail very soon if you haven't gotten them already. Lastly, let's read a couple emails. We have two this week, I believe. One is from Eric Lennell. He says, hey, guys, I enjoyed your Yu-Gi-Oh! discussion. I would love to see a Penguin Soldier and Maneater in Click someday. That's good. I forgot about Maneater. I used to play that card all the time. Penguin Soldier was a big one too. So good suggestions. He has a couple questions. Number one, I played against the Joker Harley duo from No Man's Land recently. Worst duo ever, right? Um, it's definitely one of the worst, unfortunately. Um, it's not like garbage. But I will say I was highly disappointed with it. I think a lot of us are, you know, we a lot of us are fans of, of course, the Joker and also Harley Quinn. And I wasn't too happy. I like the way it plays out. I like their powers. I like their trait, and they have some decent split merges. It's just that gigantic point value. I have no idea why they made them cost 178 points 
that was I think that's the oversight. Like I said, I don't think the problem is too much with the dial construction. Um, some people complain that they don't have a defense power. I kind of agree. They do have stealth at least, which just kind of helps them defensively. But if you think about it, neither of those characters is known for being, you know, especially tough. I would think maybe give them like a super senses or shape change or something. But yeah, it does suck that they don't have defense powers. But I like the way it's constructed. It's just that huge price tag makes them one of the worst duos. So yeah, I kind of agree with you, Eric. Number two, how many points would Krona have to be for you to play him? <laughs> I'll pull Krona up. I know I talked shit about him before. Part of that was me teasing Drew, knowing that he had just talked about how good he was beforehand. But part of it is, again, I, I just don't think he's that great. Um, for me to play him in a, in a regular event, like a somewhat competitive event, um, let's see. Two hundred, two maybe two ten. I'd say around two hundred because I just think he'll get as most pieces. I but then again, I just don't like playing big heavy points pieces that often myself. Anyways, it's just I like having a balanced team with multiple things for my opponent to have to worry about and focus on. But yeah, two hundred probably. Number three, I think Jade may be my favorite participation. Ellie, am I crazy? I you are not crazy. In fact. Um, I was. We just had a, a recent event where I was initially building a giant Green Lantern team for it, and then I was looking through the dials and remembered how good Jade was and how bad I really want to play her. And so I actually put off the Green Lantern team and decided to play a different team instead because I want to wait till Jade is out so that I can play her with these guys as well. They're actually all the participation LEs, honestly, the Green Lantern course are really good, really happy with them. We desperately needed them made, too. But yeah, you are not wrong. Jade is very good. She has uh, Outsiders, 8 range, um, with running shot and willpower, of course. And then she has a good trait, too. When she targets a character in Hindering, you modify her attack plus 1. And the target can't use Stealth this turn, so she can take away Stealth. Because she sees through Hindering already with her improved targeting. And then, of course, she has Construct. So you throw the net on there to make good use of that 8 range. Um, she's pretty good figure for 151 points. Then he has two more questions. Number four, which Red Lantern dial is your favorite? I don't know. I don't, don't make me pick a favorite. I love the Red Lanterns. They're my most anticipated uh, uh, of the cores. I, I really enjoy their their comic, and I'm a big Zelaya Sox fan. And honestly, I have to say, I think Zelias is probably my favorite red if I had to pick one out of the dials. That, that dial is so good for 106 points, man. And the sculpt looks great. I'm going to have to say the, the Zox at 106. But the uh, the Atrocitus Ellie looks pretty promising as well. Dexar looks good, and I do enjoy the character. And like I said, the Red Lantern, uh, Hal Jordan, and Guy Gardner both look pretty good as well. And then number five, Anderson Silva versus Nick Diaz. Who do you got? That is a tough question. I've been talking about here, thinking about this here recently. Um, it's going to be next year till we see the fight, but this is a very interesting fight. Probably the most interesting fight of all time. This is only the real, really the only the second super fight. I put that in quotation mark air quotes. Really, the only one. You know, you know, we had GSP and and, and some big fights back in the day. BJ Penn somewhat super fights back in the day but this is very interesting because you have Anderson Silva who you can you can make an argument but in my mind and in a lot of people's mind is the best fighter the UFC has ever had and will probably depending on how dominant John Jones is over the next few years so he's really the only one who could surpass him probably Anderson will go down as the best fighter in UFC history you have this guy who's this amazing, but is really getting really old. You know, time's catching up with him, as we've seen in the Weidman fights, as we've seen, honestly, a little bit before that. And, he, I mean, he's in his 40s, and he just had a horrific injury, one of the worst MMA-related injuries I've ever seen in my life, and is coming back from that. And then going up against Nick Diaz, who you can never count out of a fight, whether it's standing, whether it's on the ground... 
you know, you, you hate to love the guy. Personally, I like him, but mainly that's just because he's a, he's a as I am, he's a, a Gracie fighter. So he, he does Gracie jiu-jitsu, and I kind of tend to root for my guys that also do Gracie. But, you know, you, you hate to love him, but you can never count that guy out of a fight. His, his striking is so good. His cardio is so good. His jiu-jitsu is really good. So he's just really good at all facets of the game. Um, honestly, it's just going to depend on how Anderson comes back. If Anderson is strong, if Anderson, um, it's all about his recovery from his injury. If if Anderson is even at, I'm going to say, 85 to 90 percent recovered, I think Anderson easily wins the fight. I think he's gonna. It'd be a pretty easy knockout. As good as Nick Diaz is. Because Anderson is just that. Anderson is not a human being. He he really he does things that you'll never see another human being do. It just doesn't make any sense. And <laughs> and I just I think that would be a pretty easy knockout for him, um, just because of the way Nick Diaz strikes and doesn't cover up well. He does that you know patented Stockton slap style, and he throws a lot of bunch punches and bunches. But I just don't see a fight that's. A fight where the fighter, the other fighter, this case being Nick Diaz, doesn't want to take it to the ground. That wants to stand and bang with Anderson. If Anderson is is like I said, recuperated from his injury, I, I just don't see how he can lose a stand up fight. Um, but we'll see. It's going to be interesting. I mean, for those of you who are old enough, have been following MMA long enough to remember watching and in 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 inspired and focused Anderson Silva come into a fight, it'll give you goosebumps because you know he is looking for the kill. And that's how I anticipate him being in this fight. As long as his body holds up, um, I anticipate this being mentally, him being very mentally prepared for this fight, and that's a scary thing. I wouldn't go in the ring with that dude. And then last email and last thing before we close out the podcast, James Gardner also has a couple questions. He says, Hey, Christina Thor Jurgensen in Abomination. I listened to your last episode about your Once for Yu-Gi-Oh! Series 2, and I thought I might list my own. My, mine may be closer to Series 3 or 4, but here it goes. Number 1 through 4 are a tie, so I'll list them based on design. Chaos Emperor Dragon, Black Luster Soldier, Dark Magician of Chaos, which I think I think we're getting, but I could be wrong. Uh, Chaos Sorcerer, Shinado King, Masked Beast, Yadagarusu, Guilford the Lightning, Lava Golem, and Insect Queen. That's my list. I hope you enjoy. I quite, I quite enjoyed playing a little while after GX, and I enjoyed your list. I think a lot of their sculpts will be cool. Some of my powers, some of the powers, may be too good. Now, my question about dial design: How do I send? How do I do the layout? And where do I send it? I've been wanting to participate but I did not know where to go to find the information. This is a good question, and I really wanted to read your email because it has been a while since I've went through how to participate in our dial design contest, and I know that we've picked up a lot of new listeners since then, so this is something I wanted to go over. If you're interested in dial design, and if you've never done dial design before, I highly recommend um, trying it. So please, if if you've never done it before, I promise you it's very fun it's very addicting and you'll absolutely enjoy it you all you need to do is go to our podcast description you'll need to either go to dial h for hero clicks.podbean.com or go to our uh, youtube channel and find this episode on our youtube channel either one but on those i always list out the links for all our different things and on those links one of them will say dial design. So you just need to copy that URL, paste it in your browser, and then go to the HC Realms page. Now, you will need to be an HC Realms member. That's totally free, and it's a website that you sh- and a resource that you guys should be using anyways if you don't. And I assume most of you guys, if you're listening to HeroClicks podcast, you probably already have a HC Realms account. But create an HC Realms account, and then put in that URL that I post that says that under dial design and go to there. And all the explanations that you need will be in the original posts on the thread. On the original post, I'll list the website that you use to create your dials. 
I'll list. I always list the um, how we judge them, how we score them. Me, Austin, and Drew score them every week, and then uh, the prizes and all that stuff. So, if it's something you've never done, I definitely suggest trying it. I know a lot of people, including myself, and pretty much everyone I know who plays clicks that has tried designing a dial has absolutely loved it and really you almost get addicted to it you really can't stop making dials and thinking up new designs to make so definitely try it so yeah just go to dialh4heroclicks.podbean.com or go to our youtube channel and find the episode the most recent episode and then find the url where i put dial design i also list our best build and anything else that's going on i always put the urls for you guys so that you can copy and paste them so yeah, just create HC Realms account, copy the URL, and join in on the fun. Totally free. Even if you don't care about the prize, it's just fun. You know, we the, we have a great group of guys now. We have 30 to 40 pretty much on the last few um, different guys who participate every week, and it's just a it's a fun atmosphere. And we always kind of you know encourage each other on other people's dials. If you see something that you really like, you know, put it you know give them a give them a thumbs up and tell them they did a good job and sometimes we get into tangents on comics and tv shows and and other things so it's a fun environment i think we have we have some of the best threads on hc realms in my mind uh in our dial design contest because a lot of hc realms as you guys know they use it a lot can be negative and just people whining it's always fun it's always great to have big popular threads like we have on our dial design contest that not only are people being creative and sharing their love for the game and sharing their love for comics, but it's also kind of turned into, um, we, we've all made some friends, you know, along the way too. That's going to do it for us today. Sorry you had to just listen to me drone on for an hour, uh, but, uh, at least we got the things covered and next week we will be back with the full episode. Next week's format will be, or, uh, sorry, main topic will be something that a lot of you guys are definitely interested in. And it will be advice for Gen Con, um, not just playing-wise, like competitive-wise, but mainly what do you need to bring? What do you need to expect to see? Um, you know, what are some things that we've learned through trial and error and through experience over the last few years going that would do you some good? So what's some good advice we can give you guys? And if you're not going to Gen Con, this could apply to other things that you'll go to in the future, to maybe a big rock event or maybe you know in your local area or maybe to another con that that has other things going on so be sure to tune in next week where we will talk about um, advice for gen con until then this is hunter smith signing off for dollar tree hero clicks we'll see you guys next week mm-hmm.